Y'all love that little whale cry right at the end there. I'm like, I'm looking around for the splash. Um, that was a great touch to it, by the way, Joy. Thank you. All right, so Jonah, as we begin this morning, I want to start with one thought, and then we're going to chase it on out through Jonah chapter 3. But the very first slide that we have on our PowerPoint, it's not on your outline, is this. We will never see the moving of God collectively until we experience it personally. So we want to see God move. We want to see God work. And we want to see Him in our church. Hey, sweet baby. How are you this morning? Good to see you in church. We want to see God at work. And we say, I want to come to church and I want Him to show Himself and manifest Himself. But it is the work of the individual. And Jonah has to, wants to see a work in his life and in the life of the people of Nineveh. But until he was ready to deal with God on the personal level, he would not see God work in the corporate level. So this morning, that's where we are. We're in the book of Jonah. Jonah chapter 1, we see Jonah's failure. Jonah is running from God. In Jonah chapter 2, we see Jonah's awakening. He's running to God. And then in Jonah chapter 3 this morning, we're going to see Jonah's victory because now he has decided that he wants to run with God. So take your Bibles, turn with me to the book of Jonah. Jonah chapter 3, and we're going to read verses 1, 2, 3, and 4. Just four verses this morning, and we're going to begin to just continue to unfold this story. But Jonah chapter 3, verse 1. Now... The word of the Lord came to Jonah the second time. Can you say with me, the second time? It, that means that he had it the first time, right? And he's got to have a do-over. It's got to be a new thing. It's got to have something that happens. And so in chapter 1, verse 1, we go back. It says, Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah, son of Amittai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and cry out against it, for their wickedness has come up before me. That was the word of the Lord to him the first time. To go to Nineveh, to cry out, to tell them that God wants to work in your life. God wants to love you, but if you do not respond to him, God is going to judge you. Jonah did not like that. Now you have to ask, why didn't he like that? Because Jonah had made a living. crying out about how bad the people of Nineveh were. It would be like him coming into town and everybody would be excited. They would see the billboards around. Come to the Colosseum. Jonah's going to cry out about those nasty Ninevites and everybody would go, yes, let's go hear it. And he would say, God's going to judge them. And they would say, do it again. And he would say, God's going to kill them. He'd say, they'd say, get them all. And Jonah was like, yes. Man, he had found his niche. And now in the middle of his popularity, he was trending on Twitter. He was fabulous on Facebook. He was a hit on Instagram. He was standing there and it was going on. And now God says to him, I want you to change your message. I want you to change your message from those nasty Ninevites to, hey guys, God loves you. And if you will change your heart, he will save your city. Jonah was like, hey God, you're kind of like, you're breaking into my pocketbook here. I mean, I got a good thing going. 
And now you're going to make me eat all those words? You're going to make me go into that city and tell them God loves you? And we know what he did. Rather than go to Nineveh, it says that he went down to Joppa. Rather than go tell them God loves them, he created chaos for the people in the boat with him. Rather than go to Nineveh, he said, I tell you what, dude, just throw me overboard because I would rather die than to go tell those Ninevites. That God loved them. I mean it would be like Nancy Pelosi. Having to walk into the Oval Office. And say. Mr. Trump. President Trump. God loves you. I mean what would she do? I mean every sound bite that they have. Back and forth. Or like vitriol. They're going back and forth. And now all of a sudden they got to change it. That's kind of where it would be. It would be drastic. It would be life changing. It would be like. What in the world? And Jonah said, I would rather die than this take place. So, threw him overboard. He fully thought he was a dead man. But he did not understand that God loved him so much that before the foundation of the world that he had prepared a great fish to swallow him. Not just a big fish. Because a big fish would have killed him when he swallowed him. But a great fish. A fish so big that he could swallow him whole. A fish so big that he could live inside his stomach and still get air. A fish so big that when he vomited him out, that he would be on the bank and all he had to do was wash off the seaweed. I mean, you got to understand, God went to lengths in chapters 1 and 2 to get us to chapter 3 where it says, Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and preach it to the message, to it, the message that I tell you. So, Jonah arose and went to Nineveh. According to the word of the Lord. Now Nineveh was an exceedingly great city. A three day journey in extent. And Jonah began to enter the city on the first day's walk. Then he cried out and said. Yet forty days and Nineveh shall be overthrown. As we begin to break this verse down and, and turn it into an outline. The first thing that we will see here in our passage of scripture is that. God gave to Jonah direct marching orders. He gave to him a direct message. It was direct marching orders. Noel, the marching orders were so clear that they just appear on the screen. Jonah's marching orders. He said to him, I want you to go to Nineveh. And I, don't want, to, I want you to go to Nineveh with a new message. The message of repentance. The message of God loves you. The message of follow me, turn to me. But before Jonah could go to that city and preach that message, before he could enter the city, he had to come to a place of repentance. He had to be willing to do it God's way. Now, ladies and gentlemen, please hear me this morning. There's a message for us. We oftentimes want to say, 
God, I will follow you. And God puts something in front of us that we don't want to do. And so we ignore it and we let a little time pass and we think God will forget. And then we'll come back to church and say, hey God, I want to follow you. And I'll pick up at this place. And God says, no, you can't pick up at this place. You've got to go back to that place where you left me. Hear that? You've got to go back to the place where you left him. You can't say, hey God, I know you've forgotten about that and I'm not going to do that. No, you've got to go back to that spot. Let me give you an example. In the book of 2 Kings, chapter 6. Let me just read it to you. 2 Kings, chapter 6, verse 1. And the sons of the prophets said to Elisha, See now, the place where we dwell with you is too small for us. Please let us go to the Jordan and let every man take a beam from there and let us make there a place where we may dwell. So he, Elisha, answered, Go. Then one said, Please consent to go with your servants. And he, Elisha, answered, I will go. So he went with them, and when they came to the Jordan, they cut down trees. But as one of them was cutting down a tree, the iron axe head fell into the water. And he cried out and said, Alas, master, for it was borrowed. So the man of God said, Where did it fall? And he showed him the place. So he cut off a stick, and he threw it in there. He made the iron float. Therefore, he said, pick it up for yourself. So he reached out his hand and he took it. Now, stick with me here. I'm, I'm making the point. You have to go back to the place where you left it to refine it. All right. So here they are. There's a group of people. They're in school. They're in training. And their teacher is Elisha. And they've gotten so many people enrolled in the school that they need to build a new dormitory. And so they build a new dormitory and they go to Elisha and say, Hey, can we go to this place and can we cut down some trees and build a new place? Elisha says, Go. They said, Hey, would you go with us? He says, I'll go with you. And one of the young men there is working so hard, he's wanting to cut down his tree. He's wanting to do his part. And he's swinging the axe. And as he swings the axe, the axe head falls off. And because they're cutting the trees by the river, the axe head falls into the water. He says, Oh, my goodness. Not only did I lose the axe head, but I lost a borrowed axe head. What am I going to do? So he does what we would do. Hey, teacher, I lost the axe head. Elisha didn't say, well, go jump in the water. Oh, well, it's over. He said, no, take me to the place where you lost it. And he says that he took a stick, he threw it in the water, and it floated back up. In our lives, we have to ask ourselves the question, God, where did I leave you? Did I leave you with an attitude? Did I leave you with an action? Did I leave you with a gross disobedience? Did I leave you at the place of apathy? Just like with Jonah, God's Word is coming to you a second time. That word is repent.
That word is follow me. That word is return to the place where you left me. That place that you dug in your heels and said, God, I know what your way is, but today I'm going to do it my way. God does not play that. God says that He will forgive and He will cleanse, but He blesses a broken and a contrite heart. That heart that says, your way. Jonah had gotten to that place. Jonah has said, I will do it my way. I still want to be known as the prophet. I still want to be known as the preacher. But God, I'm not going to do it your way. God causes him to go through a storm. And in that storm, he recognizes that he's run from God. In that storm, he turns and runs to God. And now we want to see him in the place where he's running with God. This morning, you have to ask yourself, has there been a Nineveh in your life? Has there been a place where you made a promise to God and said, God, I'll do it. And God says, well, here's what it's going to cost. And you say, well, I'm not going to pay it. To get back in intimate, close fellowship with God. We have to go back to that place. God gave to Jonah direct marching orders. The direct marching orders were, arise, go to Nineveh. These marching orders Affirm to us, reaffirm to us the patience of God. It says that it came to him a second time. One man said, we're moved to speak of Jonah's God as the God of the second chance. But honest reflection compels us to speak of him as the God of the 999th chance. Every time in your life when you step away from God, he says, come back to me, call to me. And the Spirit of the Lord will stay with you and work with you as long as you're willing to come back to Him on His terms and His conditions. But when you want to lose the blessing of the Lord, it's when you get to that place when you say, No, God. No. This morning, because you are here and you have breath, you have the chance to return to God on His terms. Are you tired? Are you weary? Are you in a place without peace? God says, come back to me. I'll give you rest. We see the patience of God being reaffirmed in the life and the story of Jonah. Um, John Newton. If I said that name to you, most of you would remember him as the man who wrote the hymn, um, Amazing Grace. Probably what he's best known for, though, is a hymn that's not Amazing Grace. It's called, um, He Died for Me. And this is what it goes, how it goes. I saw one hanging on a tree in agony and blood. He fixed his languid eyes on me, and near his cross I stood. Sure never, till my latest breath, can I forget that look. It seemed to charge me with his death. Though not a word he spoke. My conscience felt and owned the guilt. And plunged me in despair. I saw my sins his blood had spilt. And helped to nail him there. Alas, I did not. I knew not what I did. But now my tears are vain. Where shall my trembling soul be hid? For I the Lord have slain. A second look he gave which said, I freely all forgive. This blood is for thy ransom paid. I die 
that thou mayst live. Oh, can it be upon a tree the Savior died for me. My soul is thrilled, my heart is filled to think he died for me. Salvation is a cry for the second chance. Salvation is the opportunity for us to return to Him. Salvation is the opportunity for us to be restored. It reaffirms to us the patience of God. God would be absolutely justified in saying, You sinned, get out of my face. But in the second chance, He sent Jesus to die on that cross so that we could have eternal life. And every single day, the blood that was spilled 2,000 years ago is reappropriated into our lives so that we can be restored in fellowship through repentance and confession. God is giving us a second chance. God is showing us through the life of Jonah that He is patient with us. But you see, it's not just a reaffirmation of the patience of God that we see in this thing, in the life of Jonah. But all through Scripture, we can find it. Abraham fled to Egypt. He lied about his wife, and God gave him a second chance. Jacob lied to his father, and God restored him and used him. Moses killed a man and fled for 40 years, and God gave him another chance to obey. The prodigal son left his home and went and lived in a pig pen. And when he returned home, he didn't return to a beating but a banquet. God is this morning wanting to give you a do-over. But he says, you have to return to me at the place of disobedience. In all honesty, that can be one of the hardest things you've ever done. Because it may call up in your life the most painful thing that you've ever experienced. It may call up the most hideous failure of your life. Jonah, a preacher, who had been going around telling people God loved them and God wanted to save them. When God said, I want you to go to this particular group of people, he looked and said, I will not go. In the life of a pastor, that would be a failure beyond comprehension. Jonah had to confront it. This morning, you have to confront that place that you left. You have to come back to God. But if you will, if you will affirm the fact that God wants to give you a second chance, if you will allow God to work in your life, if you will allow Him to show you His patience, we also see in these marching orders that it restates the purpose of God. Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and preach to it the message that I tell you. Again, ladies and gentlemen, listen to me. God does not forget. God doesn't erase it out. When we disobey Him and we want to move on, God doesn't forget that where we disobeyed Him and we've got to go back. He had to go, arise and go to Nineveh and He had to preach the message of salvation. In my life and in your life, we must go back to that place. God wants to restate His purpose for you. God wants to say, this is where you left me. This is what I have for you. God, I'll do it. Think about promises I've made that are broke. 
can't move beyond that promise or that situation until I go back and reaffirm the promise that I broke. Whether it's to God, a person, I have to go back there. Lord, forgive me. Sometimes you have to make restoration. Sometimes restoration is not possible. So you have to say, Lord, in this moment I recognize that my direction went against your direction. And Lord, I confess it. Forgive me. Cleanse me. God, if, you, if there's anything I can do to make it right between you and another individual, I'm willing to do it. If that's not possible, then God, I plead and trust the blood of Jesus Christ to be all that I need to forgive me and to cleanse me from unrighteousness. But you've got to be willing to go there. It restates the purpose of God. It shows us the patience of God. Romans 11.29 says this. The gifts and calling of God are irrevocable. God's call is clear. He wants us as human beings to call on Him through the blood of His Son Jesus Christ. God's calling is clear. He wants us to live every day in submission and surrender to Him. God's calling is clear. When we step out of line with Him, He wants us to agree that His way was right. And He wants us to return to Him in repentance. And God's call is clear. That when He gives us a task, He wants us to obey it. And hear me. God's way is the best way. I don't know if you've ever figuratively lived in the belly of a whale. But if you have, you know that was the worst decision you ever made. And when God in His wonderful love and mercy reaffirms His patience, when God in His mercy reaffirms His purpose, and when God in His mercy draws us back into the fold, There is peace that passes understanding. When I was in the first grade, I lied to my dad. And my dad did what he did not do many times in my life. But when he did it, he did it well. He spanked my behind with passion. And then told the greatest lie that the parents ever told. It hurt me worse than it hurt you. Maybe inside, but not on the outside. And then he made me go apologize to the person that I had offended. When I got back home, he was standing at the door with his arms open wide to hold me. And he cried. He cried like I cried when he whipped my tail. And he said, son, that really did hurt. But I love you. And as painful as the separation was between me and my dad for those brief moments, that reunion was amazing. When we disobey God, he's going to discipline us. And it can feel and it can be harsh. But when we receive his rebuke and we return to him in repentance, he is ready to restore us and relish us with unbelievable love. This morning, if you're running from God, if you've headed down to Joppa, would you go ahead and look at God and say, I blew it, I'm sorry, but I'm ready to return. Because Jonah... 
has his marching orders. Jonah sees the purpose of God. And when Jonah embraces God's way, the next thing we see is Jonah's definite makeover. Look at verse 3, chapter 3. So Jonah arose. You say, where's the makeover? The makeover is that he arose. He arose both times, but one time he was headed to Joppa. This time it says he arose and he went to Nineveh. Nineveh. Where they would cut people's tongues out while they were still alive. Where they would bury them in the sand up to their neck in the hot sun and sit for sport and watch them suffer. He went to Nineveh. He went to that place. And he went not with hate for them, but ready to cry out, God loves you. He rose. He went there. Our greatest glory is not in ever falling, but in rising each time we fall. Proverbs 20.16 says, Though a righteous man falls seven times, he gets up eight. I don't know how many times you've fallen. You may think you've fallen so many times you're like the lady in the commercial, I've fallen and I can't get up. But God says that if you fall seven times, get up eight. And the scriptures we said last week is true, whether it's your first time of falling or your seventh time of falling, His mercy is new every morning. God wants to restore you. God wants to draw you back to Himself. Satan wants you to believe this, that failure is a person. Satan wants you to believe that failure is who you are. I'm a failure. I am a mess up. I will never matter. I will never be good enough. I won't ever be able to stack good choices on top of good choices. But failure is not a person. Failure is an event in the life of a person that Jesus died for. And failure is an event in the life of a person that Jesus died for. And he said, if you will come to me, I will heal you. I will restore you. I will make you whole and new and complete. And I will make you a joint heir with my son, Jesus Christ. And it says that on the day that he returns... That you will return to him to judge the earth. He says that I, no matter where you've been, will restore you to righteousness. Jonah's makeover is seen in the decision he makes. He arose and went. Not until he arose and went was his repentance complete. He could think God's way was a good way. He could think God's plan was a good plan, but not until that moment that he actually picked himself up off that beach and started marching in the direction of Nineveh. Did he have a makeover? It wasn't because he went to church. It wasn't because he thought God was good. But it was because he changed his life. And agreed with God's way. We see his makeover in the decision that he made. I told you in chapter 1 he was running from the Lord. Um, In chapter 2 we saw him run to the Lord. But now in chapter 3 we see him running with the Lord.
in chapter 1, we saw Jonah understand God's will with his head. Repent, and salvation is yours. He gave it knowledge in his head. But in chapter 3, we see him agreeing with God's will in his heart. Because he got up and he went. It's the decision he makes. It's the direction that he takes. We see his makeover. So Jonah arose and went to Nineveh according how? To the word of the Lord. He went that way. I read a story about a man who felt like a failure. Seemed like everything that he attempted turned out wrong. He began to fantasize about being rich. And he thought that the fastest way to get rich was to become a bank robber. And so he sat down and day after day after day he planned his bank robbery. And every morning he would get up and he would drive to the bank parking lot. And when the bank would open he would reach for the door handle. And in reaching for the door handle he would freeze and he would become have anxiety and he would never get out of the car and he would go home. And he would again that night plan and prepare and do everything he thought in his head that he had to do to rob that bank. And finally after this just went on and on and on for a while. He said tomorrow no matter what I'm going to get out of the car. And sure enough he he arrived at the bank at 10 at 1 o'clock. He finally reached, he grabbed the door handle, he walked into the bank. When he got into the bank, he had his mask on. He handed the teller his gun and he stuck his brown bag in her face and he said, this is, uh, what did he say? I done lost the punchline. Don't you hate that moment? (laughs) Don't stick with me, this is a mess up. Would have been a little better if I could have remembered it. But here's the deal. We have to decide that we're going to go in God's direction. And it's not easy. Whether you're this man wanting to be rich, it takes hard work. Whether you're a person that wants to walk with Christ, it takes effort. It takes going to Him, surrendering to Him, obeying Him. So we've got Jonah. We see his marching orders. We see his makeover. And because he's obeyed the Lord, in verse 4, we see his mission opportunity. And Jonah began to enter the city. And on the first day's walk, then he cried out and he said, Yet forty days and Nineveh shall be overthrown. You say, well, that's not much of a message. In fact, it's eight words. But it's the eight words that God said speak. Sometimes in your life, God's going to tell you to do the amazing Sometimes God's going to tell you to speak the mundane. Doesn't matter. The word is do what God said. Jonah had a makeover. Jonah had a mission opportunity. Jonah had this thing to do. It was a message of love, but it was a message of judgment. It was a message of mercy, but it was a message of wrath. It was a message of exaltation, but it was also a message of condemnation. What's the takeaway? What's the thing that we apply tomorrow? Or today even? Have you stepped 
away from what you know God told you to do. If you've stepped away from what God told you to do, you can fake it for a moment. But eventually it catches up in a restless heart, a bitter mouth, an absence of peace, or ultimately the decision to not go to Nineveh but to head down to Joppa. Outside of the will of God is the most miserable place you can ever be. A return to the will of God is the most simple choice you'll ever make. God, I'll do it your way. Your will. Your way. Right now. When you mess up, you confess up. When you blow it, you restore it. Some of those things are easily done. Some of them are not. But God's work, God's way, will change your life. And it will change generations for those that come after you. Mount Zion, we got the chance. Are we ready? Lord, we thank you that you called Jonah to a hard task. God, we thank you that you gave us, or he was willing to record for us, the int- through you, you gave us his story. It was not an easy story. It's a painful story. It's a story with consequence. It's a story with conviction. It's a story with disobedience, but it's a story just filled with grace. Would you show us where our axe head fell in the water? 